Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Prewall. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, pretty good, Riley. I'm feeling excited. Excited? Why? Oh, we got the World Championships just around the corner in a week and a half? Oh, my gosh, man. I... I didn't know. You had no I, idea. I got a plan. <laughs> I need to pack because we're heading out to New York on Saturday. So I'm losing like a couple of days. So I need like tomorrow to get into the zone and just get everything packed so that as I think of more things, I can <laughs> add them instead of just throwing everything together and like inevitably forgetting the the outlet uh, adapter or yeah. You know, my floss. Not the or, floss, dude. Well, you know how you can't get good tooth care over in England? So I don't want to forget toothpaste, floss, toothbrush. What do you say? I just lost all of the listeners from the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that. I went to the store earlier today just to buy some odds and ends. And I also made sure to get, like... An extra thing of deodorant to pack along and a second thing of toothpaste so I could have a specific one for travel instead of, you know, having to remember to pack my one from home, mm. you know? That's, yeah, yeah. The uh, little boy? No, it's a, it's a full-size one, but... Can you take full-size boys? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's the limit is pretty large relative to the size of, like, a toothpaste. Oh, I have, like, crest ones that are about yay big, maybe a foot long. A foot? <laughs> Or like eight inches, <laughs> eight yeah, inches guy maybe. Guy with the biggest toothpaste tube <laughs> in the world. Hey, my sense of my sense of measurement is a little bit off when it comes to things of that a size. Foot, but a foot is like a sixth as tall as you are. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe eight inches. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Can you take that? I, I'll take eight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like so besides the point, though. Uh, the point is travel stuff is being taken care of i got you some laundry this weekend though but i'll be around this weekend i guess i'll like you you planning your outfits you got all your i try to plan my all your drip i don't necessarily associate them to a given day but i you know make sure i have my fits try to try to look fresh try to have some flow oh for sure yeah i i'm wearing today the black full grip shirt uh, yes, and it's actually super cool. I, I like it. Is that a new edition? I think so. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Did they mail it to you or what? Did you get it last time? Uh, you were I, in Akron? Last time I was in Akron, I picked it up. Yeah, looks nice. Yeah. Speaking of shirts, we have our shirts. They're in the mail right now, so it is TBD <laughs> as to whether or not they will arrive in time for London. That would be, um, you know, sad if they didn't. But uh, UPS is just it is how it is. So. We'll have to see. They are in the mail. So that's the update that I have. Well, Godspeed to the <laughs> to the shirts. <laughs> to, the, to the 100 shirts that are yeah, probably midair right now. the trophosphere right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Bless their hearts. <laughs> well, GW, we got plenty to talk about as we lead up to the World Championships in just a week and a half. So let's go ahead and dive into it here. We'll start off by talking about some of the recent developments in the competitive scene 
We'll talk about some of the more niche decks heading into the World Championships. And then our deck profile in the latter half of the stream will be all about Ice Rider, the love-it-or-hate-it deck heading into the World Championship here. But let's start from the top here, JW. And that's with some of the... I hate to call it drama, but it kind of is drama. Um, surrounding a certain player, uh, that being Zach Cooper... For the unaware, Zach Cooper was caught palming a boss's orders from his discard pile at the North American International Championship. He got subsequently DQ'd. Uh, this is not Zach's first <laughs> time at the rodeo, so to speak. Uh, but nevertheless, he's still in the top of the leaderboards, gets that stipend, and is on the World Championship player roster heading into Worlds next week. And this got a lot of people not so happy, JW. I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of like, vitriol. What is what has your experience been so far? Yeah, I mean, the Twitter discourse is all over the place. I just think that there's a lot of um, hate being directed towards him and also TPCI. And so it's just really, really acidic out there. <laughs> acidic is one way to describe it for sure. And... Yeah, I agree. It's kind of co-directed at Zach himself as well as TPCI. And so my goal is not for us to be like a drama podcast or anything like that. It's not really what we do. Never really been into that. But I think this is an interesting kind of case study into, you know, what does it mean to like play legitimately in a Pokemon trading card game? What is the Pokemon company's response and call to action when they see uh, or are aware of things going on, you know, what do we as a community need to be aware of and make sure that we're doing to safeguard ourselves from, you know, bad actors here. And I think the first really interesting point and something I've seen a lot of people starting to echo in these conversations online is, you know, Zach has, Zach has been DQ'd from multiple events at this point. And, and following is not the greatest thing to be caught doing of course at what point do you have to just draw the line and say you know you cannot play it you are banned you know from future right. pokemon events and you know what does that mean if people like him are not getting banned is you know the broader question that i i'd raise you know what what is the consequence of cheating if it's only Every time you get caught, you get DQ'd at worst from that event. And sometimes yeah. not even. Yeah, that's the question is like, how do you, how many times does somebody need to get caught for it to be habitual? And for an outsider looking in, I would argue that the severity of the cheat and the amount of times that Zach has cheated in the past um, would indicate that there is you know, habituality to his behavior. And I just would think like at a local level, let's say that there was a player that exhibited this type of behavior at the local game store down the street. I have no doubt that they would be banned from that store, you know, <laughs> after the second or third offense, right? Like <laughs> right. I just couldn't imagine that the store owner would be like, okay, yes, you know, the integrity of our tournaments is not compromised by you being here so come on back uh you know we'll just catch you again in the hat in the act like you're you're totally welcome here that's just weird to me to think that 
on a local level, someone with that notoriety. track record yeah. and notoriety would be banned. And yet on an international like world level, they're not. It's very confusing to me because I just think in a different context, he'd be out of here in a minute. <laughs> and I really... Sometimes I wonder what the Cooper family has on TPCI, like what dirty stash they're hiding, you know? <laughs> uh, but I, I just, I hate the precedent that you could be a repeat, repeat offender, almost infamously so, and basically get a slap on the wrist in the form of a DQ. Even if it's not a long-term ban, you gotta take away the world's invite, right? <laughs> like, they can't go to World's Day 2 with a stipend, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just really interesting. It's really, really interesting. It brings up a, a question, too, for a lot of players, I'm sure, of, well, how much cheating goes on in Pokemon? Right. Especially amongst the top-level players. And you just gotta ask yourself, after you start seeing these players go, you know, X and O to start day one, you know, like seven O to start day one, you repeatedly just doing well at these tournaments. I think there's enough variance that it's very hard to do that actually, but it just makes you wonder how much of this is rampant in the Pokemon community at large. I would argue from my perspective and as, you know, an above average player that there isn't that much cheating that goes on. Um, like that I've seen, I, I really haven't had anyone cheat against me. I am not a cheater. Um, so I mm. have never cheated against mm. someone else. I Something know that, a cheater might say. That's true. <laughs> very true. You, you got me there. But from my perspective, I haven't seen that meant, uh, that much cheating occur. And so I just, you know, I would like to put that into the listener's ear that while this is an isolated case, I don't think that it extends to the community as a whole. But it just makes you wonder, though, how much of this is going on at the top level. And I think I think it's worth saying that it's not it's not like every table of every match is cheating, right? But I do think I do think there's not an insignificant amount of it. And I've I've joked around with some of my friends about the concept of like the 6-0 stimulus package, you know, cuz no one's watching you when you're 3 and 0 at table 300 playing Randall Dandel and they're not paying attention when you palm the card from your discard pile. Um, so why not just like do something here or there to adjust the game state? It's slightly in your favor. Even doesn't even have to be as blatant as palming um, and slightly advance the game state towards you slightly get that variance in your favor. And over the course of those five rounds, you start off with the, the five Oh six Oh stimulus. And then you're in day two, you know, and yeah. then that puts you in contention to top eight. I think that's what, the majority of cheating looks like in Pokemon, yeah. if I had to guess. It's not yeah. people doing crazy, like, I think the only times we truly see the crazy stuff, like the palming the bosses, uh, the Greninja in the lap type scenarios, is when those people get away with it for long enough that they just lose all sense of what's reasonable even and just go for it, you know? They feel invincible. Um, it's either that kind of person or a person who just has lost their mind to start with and they're like this is a good idea actually to just mm -hmm. palm this card um yep. so yeah i i think that's what it looks like though if i had to pinpoint it is people are getting the 6-0 stimulus they're getting into day two and they might even play completely clean after that point but it puts them so far ahead of the pack and into contention 
that they're just naturally going to accumulate more over time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Is you're in those bottom tables, you know, first round, second round, like there are just too many people for a judge to be looking over your shoulder. Right. And so you're just, you know, uh, going at the margins, right. You're just kind of, you know, increasing your win percentage, you know, one win in over the course of the tournament could be the difference between a day two or not, or a top eight or not. And so if you're able to cheat in those early rounds, that's a huge benefit. So I guess the conversation now turns to how do we prevent cheating? Right. I think there's a lot of different ways you can do that. Obviously, one of the major ones that I always tell people is shuffle your opponent's deck. <laughs> that, you know, we are big advocates of doing that. Also, be sure to ask your opponent how many cards they have in their hand at all times. You know, and yeah. these are things we've talked a lot about. But just to reiterate, um, if you're new, if you're a new listener, like... Those are those are some of the ones that I really really preach to to players. Yeah, I, I think keep keep track of key cards in the discard pile. Like know the counts of those things. You don't have to know the exact count of their sixty, right? But you should know. Like okay, they have two boss in the discard pile at this point in time. <laughs> you know, does that number change ever without them interacting with it? Um, count the cards in hand. It's pretty easy to know how many cards should be in your opponent's hand if you're keeping track. You know, don't just zone out and watch the game next to you for, you know, the five minutes your opponent's doing their turn. Shuffle deck. Uh, if you're not shuffling after every single, you know, opponent's shuffle, at least vary the way that you cut as a minimum. Because uh, if they notice, if cheaters notice that you're cutting in particular ways, they may opt to, you know, stack their deck based on that cut. You know, those are just the basics. And I think just even just having like an air of, of vigilance and, you know, truly actively paying attention during your opponent's turn in of itself is a deterrent. We have a question in chat. Do you think people have cheated against you in the past that you probably missed? I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if while I was a newer player, I feel like anytime recently, probably not. Um, I try and pay really close attention, but maybe when, when I was newer, like in that first year or so, I probably wouldn't be surprised if that happened. So what do you think, Riley, is the precedent that TPCI is sending? Or are they just, I mean, is there inaction sending a precedent? It, it does seem like... I, I think it's more in that ladder bucket. Yeah. I think the, the, the lack of severity in action sets a really bad precedent that, you know, if, if the risk versus reward is having as phenomenal of a season as Zach Cooper has had and the only risk is that you may get DQ'd from one tournament out of the season, but still get all your prizes and all your stipends and the top eight. Like, yeah, that seems like a favorable outcome <laughs> in a strictly outcome focused mindset. It, so I, I think it's bad. I, I don't think it's, it's a good idea to set that precedent. I think at least to like qualify for worlds specifically and to have the stipend, you should have, there should be some sort of like good standing program like, sure. If you're DQ'd in a season, you can't go to Worlds. That's like that seems like a very reasonable thing to say. Um, that's t that's tough. I because like you can't always prove intent, so that's not to say. But that it's fine though. It's like it's whatever. Like you're just not in good standing. You know, just like <laughs> it's the way it is. And at a certain at a certain point, I yeah. think with major major gameplay discrepancies, ones that would result first off like things that result in a DQ ninety percent of the time, the judges are trying to display that they think sure, intent is involved. Sure. I, I agree with your point. I think it could be something like a like a red card 
situation in soccer, right? Where if you accumulate two or something over the course of a I think season, two DQs is too many, though. I mean, you know, that's for, I think one DQ is enough. Like, but book, you can get like you worlds. can get DQ'd for not having the proper sleeves, right? Where you have worn your sleeves over the course of a tournament, you know, and they Look, have I, I get marks it. on them and stuff. I get it. Like, and I've seen people get DQ'd for things that I don't necessarily agree with, but I think, I think like harsher penalties aren't a bad thing in general. And like, yeah. I've said before that I don't think worlds should be the end all be all either. Same thing with like travel stipends. I think travel stipends, especially no shot. You get those if you're DQ'd in that quarter at least <laughs> yeah. right yeah and no way you get the top 16 day two thing if you've been dq'd at all right like mm-hmm. we can at least right. agree on that <laughs> i i definitely agree for sure and it's just like you we have to take a harder line i think and i think it's frankly not acceptable that pokemon has is letting it bleed through so hard right now well there you have it lots more to say on the scandal but we got plenty more to talk about in this episode that's right. So let's talk then about some of the niche decks heading into the World Championships. We compiled a couple of them. We'll look, take a look at Stall. We'll briefly talk about Ice Rider before doing our deck overview in the latter half. And then something we haven't really talked about in a while is the single prize decks that are out there. You know, have your Inteleon boxes, your Malamars, your Solrock and Lunatones, uh, even your Reggies. You know, what's the deal with those kind of suckers? So let's start from the top with Stall. Stahl's main claim to fame is the Mewtwo deck that Sander piloted at the North American International Championship to a top four finish, heavily leveraging the mill tank to slow down your opponent, and then eventually having a Mewtwo V union that your opponent will potentially not be able to ever knock out with its healing uh, on the super generation attack. GW, what are your thoughts about Stahl as an archetype as we head into the World Championship? I think it's pretty good. It's certainly a deck that's still on the table for me in terms of something that I would consider playing. I think there's strength in Miltank. I think there's a lot of strength in the Mewtwo V Union with the obvious downside of just being able to get that guy in the discard pile. That's like the hardest thing. If, if I could just guarantee that I could get the Mewtwo V Union in the discard pile every game by turn, I don't know, nine, 10? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not even saying turn four, right? I'm saying like nine or 10. If I can survive that long and get that Mewtwo in there every game, like that seems like a great option. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I think the stall archetype is pretty strong. I think Miltank as a card is also just really strong when you combo it with other things that can make your opponent's life miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Miltank by itself obviously won't be able to overcome an Inteleon deck, but, you know, if you have multiple Miltanks and they're attacking, or if you have Miltanks and a Mewtwo that, to force your opponent into awkward scenarios, I think the stall, like, concept is really solid right now. Um, would I play stall myself at Worlds? Right now it's actually pretty high up on my list because of all the things I just described. I think the one thing that kind of scares me with stall right now is just the pace of those games can get a little awkward, um, especially like if you're struggling early game. It's not the kind of deck that can finish three games super well, mm-hmm. which ties in a, ties are never great, but they're also especially not great at Worlds where after your first loss, every tie is basically just a loss. 
Yeah. Right. Um, so that's like the only thing really that scares me right now. Yeah. You just got to be playing super on point and hope that you're winning your game once. Yeah. Or finding some sort of strategy to make your games quicker um, mm-hmm. in like your dominant position type of games, you know? Right. Because sometimes stall will be in those really dominant spots, but it needs to just like let yeah, the it still game, takes twenty minutes. It needs to, to let the game ride, you know. Right. Like so, right. finding some sort of route to speed that situation up. I think though, stall is like still a top tier archetype. I think mill tank as a card is really strong right now. Again, when it's paired with something else uh, that can leverage mill tank's sort of disruptive ability. Because uh, if you think about it, Miltech in of itself is a disruption card because you're forcing your opponent to place, you know, energies into maybe suboptimal places and use attackers they wouldn't want to use otherwise. It's taking away their resources from cards they'd rather be powering up. So I think Stall is great. I think Miltech is great right now. And even though decks play answers to it, it still forces them into awkward situations. Yeah, that's a really good point about Miltech. I think we've been thinking about that card a lot, how best to play it stall might just be the way you know there's other options there blissey you could throw it into some other archetype like uh you know arceus deck but yeah for sure arceus tank bro yeah let's go (laughs) so sick but there's one deck that actually has a pretty okay matchup against stall that people have been thinking about lately and that is of course ice rider Ice Rider is definitely a hot and cold kind of deck. You know, people love it or hate yep. it. And yep. the opinions seem to be very strong in both directions right now. We'll talk about Ice Rider super in-depth in the second half. But JW, what's your 10,000-foot view right now on the Ice Rider deck? Ice Rider is definitely an X-Factor deck because it doesn't have a ton of terrible matchups. And it can get around some of these really awkward decks in the format, like Stall, right? It can hit those high numbers, and it can one-shot the Palkias, the Arceuses, even with a big charm attached. So it's really an X-Factor deck in the sense that it can hit the numbers that few other decks can, and that can be really scary. Yeah, I think uh, (laughs) the way I would describe Ice Rider is... It's got good matchups, but it's a bad deck, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, in theory, like, it's one of those decks, like, in theory, I beat everything. It's perfect. And then you, like, roll up with it on the table, <laughs> and you're having the worst day of your life. Uh, yeah. Or maybe the best day of your life, if you're drawing the right side of the Ice Rider coin yeah. flip. Um, so, again, we'll talk more about Ice Rider, but very, like, hot and cold. And I think that's the reason that people have such polarizing opinions on it. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have that much built-in... Um, you know, consistency other than the Intellion engine, but you're relying on... Well, in a way, it has built-in inconsistency because it's getting rid of its energy. (laughs) Sure, exactly, exactly. You're very reliant on a number of different things. You're reliant on the the choice belt. You're reliant on the Melanies. You're, you know, you're just very reliant on all these different pieces kind of coming together. And if you miss one piece here or there and it doesn't quite work out, then you don't really have much of a backup plan. (laughs) Totally. So let's talk then about the other big X factor heading into Worlds, and that is single prize decks. Now, single prize decks actually handle both of the previous two decks that we mentioned very, very well. And it's something not a lot of people have necessarily been giving a lot of credence. We saw quite a bit of the 
Lunatone Solrock deck mm-hmm. very early in the Pokemon Go format. I think that was largely a trend, if I had to say anything. You know, it was just the, the hype It was deck. the fun new deck. Yeah. yeah, it was the fun new deck. You know, there's always the single prize deck that's the fun new deck that people like to play for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, think of the Arceus, in, or sorry, this, not the Arceus, but the Inteleon Toolbox kind of decks, or some of these other, like, high damage single prize decks, like the Ridge deck or Malamar. <laughs> Not a lot of people have been thinking about those, and certainly they could be a factor heading into Worlds. We just talked about two decks that they have potentially good matchups against. GW, what are your thoughts on single prize decks, and what among them is your favorite right now? Sure. I think the single prize decks are strong, but they feel like they do things that other decks could also do in terms of damage output for you know, a certain amount of resources, but they take more resources to do so. <laughs> That's kind of what if it feels like you're, you know, A plus B equals C, but then you've, you know, B is equal to D, E, F, G, H times X, Y, Z. What are you saying? I'm just saying <laughs> no, that I'm... you're you're taking way more, uh, you know, there, there are way more pieces than you need to do these combos, like to, to make this damage output that you're trying to hit. <laughs> yeah. You're just trying to run in circles around, and and it's like, you feel smart when it happens. You do. But there are simpler ways. There are easier ways to hit those numbers. And so that's how I feel about the Inteleon decks. Uh, The Inteleon box decks, I should say. The single prize Inteleon box decks. I do like the Charizard based ones with a few of the combos. I was trying that out before Milwaukee, you know, with Zero Aura and, you know, just all these different uh, pieces that you could play to to try to give weakness, hit weakness on your opponent's Pokemon. But ultimately, I've kind of given up on the Radiant Charizard. I liked it a lot heading into this format. I thought it might be good as. A deck into itself i thought it might be good with arceus but it's just kind of left me wanting a little bit for those reasons where it's just you're doing a lot you know you're hitting these numbers but it's taking you a lot more to get there so again when you're trying to combo all this stuff together if you miss a beat then you just get down too much and i think another big weakness of the deck if we think about the metagame as a whole is that <laughs> you're playing a lot of palkia and they have like an inherent immediate nerf on two of your sobbles early game you know yeah. that you have to protect yourself against right so you're diverting resources that could go towards more sobbles to getting a manaphy in play and that's just slowing you down even more and so um, not a huge fan of the single prize intelion deck yeah i i definitely agree regarding single prize intelion it's feels like it's doing a lot to accomplish a little if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just a re That was probably a more succinct way of what I said. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, you know, it, it doesn't even feel like it's actually getting there in all the matchups, in my opinion. You know, you just have so many moving parts to really scrape home the victory. <laughs> and it that's not really the kind of situation I want to be putting myself in at the world championship. You know, I want to feel like I am in control and confidently winning my games. Well, and it also goes back to that time issue that you talked about with stall. Yeah. Right. These games take a long time because you're trying to get down to the last three prizes, two prizes, one prizes for your opponent so that you can go ahead and, Oh yeah. (laughs) Forget about it. 
We'll edit that in post. Um, <laughs> but you're trying to get down to those last few prizes so that you can go off with the Charizard, so that you can pull off your Raihan combos. And so you're not really, you don't have a great sense of, okay, whether or not you're going to win or lose until those latter stages of the game. And again, that doesn't really lend itself to a best of three at Worlds where ties are essentially losses. Agreed. Agreed. And I don't really think any other single prize decks are really up to snuff. Um, you know, Malamar just feels like it's constantly got a banana in the tailpipe at the moment, especially with cards like Roxanne in the format. And the Reggie deck has yet to prove itself in the first place. So I I would stay away probably from single prize decks at the World Championship. Now, there was a Lunatone Soul Rock deck that did do pretty okay at a late night tournament the other day. I think it went nine and four, nine and five. <laughs> cool, man. It was cool. I mean, it, it was very turbo focused. It had Pokestops and 12 energy and just Yeah, I'm like chilling going on the Lunatone Soul Rock technology, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I don't know, man. I actually, that's one of the decks I haven't played yet. Can you believe it? Ever. How, yeah, how long has this set been out? <laughs> I keep saying every stream, I'm like, okay, we're going to play Lunatone Soul Rock after okay, this first no deck, Lunatone and then I never, yeah. I never get there. So maybe maybe this week. Maybe it wasn't meant to be in the first place. It's going to come back to bite me when it does. End <laughs> when up it wins the World else. Championship. Yeah. <laughs> I think TPCI is gunning for Zach Cooper to win the World Championship. So that way they can DQ him post-mortem. And not give out the prize money. <laughs> now that's a hot take. <laughs> that would insane conspiracy. <laughs> that's like tip of the iceberg, bro. Yeah, that's that's deep down under there. <laughs> so funny. All right. Let's dive into our card of the day and our ads before we talk more about the most polarizing deck in the format in Ice Rider. So JW, instead of a typical Pokemon card, I do have an item this week, but I still wanted to give you the fun of a dex entry. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the dex entry for the star Pokemon of the deck that uses this item. Okay. Okay. So it'll still be a Pokemon that you guess, but that won't be the card itself. Gotcha. All right. It has the power to protect or sorry, to predict the future. It's power peaks when it's protecting its trainer. Say it again. It has the power to predict the future. Its power peaks when it is protecting its trainer. Is it Jirachi? No, that's a good guess, though. Dang it. Um, it is actually... I'll give you one more guess. One uh, of the is... types on Jirachi is correct. Predicting the future? Yeah. Is it a, it's a psychic Pokemon, maybe? Oh, um, is it like Jatu? <laughs> no, that's also a good guess, though. Ah. Um for predicting the future at least uh it's actually gardevoir is the pokemon in question and that was one yeah. of the trickier gardevoir deck entries so don't blame me for not getting it uh and the reason that i chose gardevoir was actually a throwback to the last world championship that we got to play in in 2019 and so the card of the day for today is fairy charm <laughs> oh the, the collective of fairy charms mm -hmm. uh so Part of the reason that the Gardevoir and Sylveon GX tag team deck was so good, the one that I played at the World Championship, ended up losing my 
play into the bubble scenario is because of the ability charms or sorry the fairy charms and what the fairy charms did is if they were attached to a fairy pokemon the fairy pokemon was immune to attacks from that type of pokemon and so you had fairy charm ability fairy charm lightning fairy charm ultra beast and you could make your fairies aka Gardevoir and sylveon very tough to deal with because there wasn't any consistent tool removal in that format the only way to really bypass tools were with tech pokemon that could remove them by an attack or with the lysander's labs which would a stadium card that would deactivate the tools so fairy charm as a whole was instrumental to my run at the 2019 world championship where i got top 32 and if i played a fairy charm ability i probably would have got top eight but <laughs> so it goes you had to pick the fairy charms right and i was like 75 percent correct so <laughs> so so it goes but really awesome card really cool deck in gardevoir sylveon and i thought it was a good roundup heading into the next world championship absolutely let's get let's get that top eight this time Let's get it. I'm thinking so. So let's thank then our sponsor for today before we jump into the second half. And for the blissfully unaware, Tag Team is presented to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the leading producer of men's grooming products. And you want to strike while the iron is hot and get nice and clean and fresh heading into the Pokemon World Championship here. JW, why don't you tell us a little bit about Manscaped? Absolutely. Manscaped is the premier company. If you're looking to get, you know, things shaved on your body. If you're a man, you got extra hair and you're going to want to get rid of that. Manscaped will help you do that with your nose hair trimmer there their grooming their ball grooming kits it's just amazing the kinds of products that they have we've tried them all and they're all fantastic i really can give vouches for every single product on their website it's just been a fantastic company to work with so would recommend anything from manscaped we are available uh as a as a uh, podcast here we do get a discount code that we can share with our listeners. Riley, why don't you tell them about it? That's right. So if you want to get on the ground floor with the Manscaped action, be a part of the Tag Team Nation rocking the <laughs> Manscaped merch, <laughs> you can do so super easily and at a discount by using code TAGTEAM at checkout. That's T-A-G-T-E-A-M, all one word. And if you throw that in at the checkout, you'll get not only 20% off but, and catch this, you'll get free shipping. Now, in this day and age, JW, nobody is paying for shipping anymore. It's just not right. So use our code to get that discount plus free shipping and get your Manscaped products over to you. They're really awesome. Again, JW and I would recommend them a thousand times over. And I will certainly be rocking my Manscaped Boxers 2.0 at the World Championship. Got to stay it's, comfy and clean. It's the best deal in Pokemon best deal on the freaking planet dare i say so true <laughs> so check us out check out manscaped and use code tag team at checkout thank you so much to manscaped for sponsoring the cast all right the horsey ice rider calyrex v max 
this card has had lovers and haters from day one and it's time to prove its worth at the biggest stage in pokemon for the unaware ice rider calyrex vmax has two attacks the ride of the high king which is an awesome attack name first and foremost mm -hmm. for two colorless energy allows calyrex to do 10 damage plus 30 more for each one of your opponent's bench pokemon but that's really not why you're attacking with Calyrex, although it is certainly a useful attack in a pinch. You're using Calyrex for that, what is it called? Like, glacial, is it Glacial Lance? Gosh, I should really know this. The Max Lance attack? It's Max Lance. Yeah, it's called Max. Yeah, Max Lance. Glacial Lance is the video game attack. The Maximilian Ma Lance? <laughs> the Maximilian Lancevillius. <laughs> <laughs> Maximilian Lancelot. Uh, yeah, so Max Lance does... <laughs> What is it? Ten base damage. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Max Lance. Ten right? base damage, <laughs> and one. You can discard more. up to two energy. I got the rest of it, bro. I just wanted to make sure the base and the addition was right because it always trips okay. me up when I'm doing like Ice Rider Man. Because uh, I know that it caps at two fifty because you can discard up to two and add one twenty for each. You're insane. Uh, so you do two fifty damage. Which is really the reason that you're using Calyrex is for that two hundred fifty damage because when you combo that with the choice belt, you're doing two hundred eighty. And there are multiple cards that have that very convenient two hundred eighty hit points, namely the Arceus V Star and the Palkia V Star, the two cards that we've been talking about the most heading into the World Championship. And if you're really trying to reach for numbers, you can use cards like Zigzagoon or Inteleon or Leon to get up to 310, for example, which is another key threshold. That's an Arceus with a big charm attached. That's a Mew VMAX. Um, those are basically every VMAX besides Calyrex itself. Mewtwo V Union. Mewtwo V Union, yes, to get through the stall matchup. The, the numbers are there. Hardcore, they are there for Ice Rider VMAX. The only downside is, well, set of downsides is first, there's not much built-in consistency with Ice Rider when you compare it to a V-Star which typically have abilities that make themselves more consistent implicitly. And you have to discard those energy after your big attacks, which can make it difficult to chain attacks because you're relying on consistently hitting a melody to water energy turn after turn to hit your attacks. Additionally, you're a VMAX Pokemon. So you're on a tighter clock. You're on a tighter schedule. And that third prize does prize matter race. like a lot, actually. <laughs> Especially if... If you have a two-prizer in play that isn't evolving into a VMAX mm -hmm. or gets knocked out before it can, then you get this really awkward scenario where your opponent can go 3-2-1 and take a very clean set of prizes. Uh, and you'll pretty much always have that one prizer available because you'll have Sobbles in play, you know, to power up or your Or the Radiant Greninja. Or be barrel or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that three prizes really does matter. You really need to be taking two two prize knockouts with a Calyrex to make it worth it. Absolutely. So what? why would you choose to bring Calyrex into the world championship if we're looking at these pros and cons? Well, I think it's if you're expecting to see a lot of Arceus, that would be, I think, one of the deck's major strengths is that it's one of those decks that you know of course Arceus we think about it just conceptually as an archetype is trying to heal and it's really relying on the opponent to not be able to hit the 280 to not be able to hit the 310 and all of a sudden you have a deck that can somewhat reliably do that right um additionally pretty decent into Palkia as well you know being able to hit that 280 
turn after turn, go through three Palkia, pack it up, you're on to the next round. So, uh, you know, if you're thinking about those two decks as being the core of what you would expect to see, then Ice Rider may be the deck for you. Now, on the other hand, where I would expect Ice Rider to struggle a bit is when it's not seeing, you know, those two decks plus <laughs> maybe like stall decks, right? Um, when you're seeing one prize decks or when you're seeing kind of more rogue strategies or even decks like Mew, uh, Mew VMAX can really just get in on you early because you take a little longer to set up than uh, maybe traditional Palkia V-Star decks. So that could also be tough if you're thinking that you're going to be playing into a field of Mew or rogue strategies. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The The real pro of Ice Rider is when it's firing on all cylinders, it does do substantial work against the big two right now in Arceus and Ice or and Palkia. Plus, it also has a good matchup against Stahl, which is a nice bonus. But against pretty much everything that falls outside that paradigm, um, you're looking at maybe having some challenges, especially with Mew on the rise, which has historically been the gatekeeper for Ice Rider's success, right? Is the fact that Mew not only can one-shot an Ice Rider, it can also power up a Genesect to a one-shot an Ice Rider with no modifiers. Mm -hmm. And you're just so aggressive, like you can pick off these Ice Riders before they even evolve very easily. So that may be a dissuader for the Ice Rider stands out there. I think the other big thing is the deck does have some implicit inconsistency to it. Because you're discarding your energy, your opponent could Roxanne you, for example, and you might whiff the Melanie attachment, even with, you know, a couple of cards in your hand and an Inteleon, you might not be able to get all the way there. Um, also, if you, I find personally that relying on Choice Belt early for your magic mm -hmm. numbers can be very frustrating sometimes, because that often that's like the one piece that you're missing. And if you don't take that early knockout, if you're two hit KOing, a opponent's Pokemon V-Star, then you've lost that trade because you're now you're trading two for three. So right. I think just the, the inherent flaws of the Ice Rider deck make it a little bit challenging of a sell to me personally. But I think it's still a really powerful deck. The, the ceiling on Ice Rider is among the highest in the format right now, I would say. Well, it's kind of funny too because we played Ice Rider in our NAIC decks. Yeah, and I did like it in that deck, to be honest. It felt good. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that was more as a complement to Palkia. So Palkia core with the 3-3 Palkia and then a 1-1 Ice Rider. But, I mean, that just goes to show, like, we've been we've hit dabbled. to Ice Rider. Yeah, we've dabbled, we've dabbled. to Ice we've Rider. Dabbled. Now, ways. would you, heading forward, would you, if you were to play Ice Rider or suggest to players playing Ice Rider, would you suggest to them to play straight Ice Rider or to mix it up and maybe do 2-2 two, two Ice Rider, 2-2 two, two Palkia? Yeah, I think there's, I think the Ice Rider stands themselves. <laughs> Don't even know, to be honest, because we see some people trying to jam it into Palkia decks, other people playing like more of the Frank, uh, you know, Turbo Ice Rider with B-Barrel type of decks. And then you also see, you know, the more... Uh, traditionalist, so to speak, mm -hmm. Ice Rider without Palkia, just straight Melanies, and you're going to win that way. Mm -hmm. I think if I had to choose, I would probably have like a thin line of both Ice Rider and Palkia to lean into either option, depending on the game. 
and that's how I would feel most comfortable playing it because I really like having the Palkia option. Um, but I also still want to stick to kind of like my lane in Inteleon. I wouldn't want the B-Barrel lifestyle personally for mm-hmm. an Ice Rider deck. So that's where I would land. It's probably like a 2-2 of both type of situation, which maybe is non-committal to the point of making the deck worse, but I feel like it could work. <laughs> it certainly could. It certainly could. Is it going to be something that you put time into? I know we have limited time heading into the worlds. We got, you know, realistically a week. I want to try to make my decision before I get on the plane so that I'm not stress testing the night of and making just crazy decisions. Like, I'd like to have a deck chosen. Well, day one decks are not are due pretty early, too. That's true. That is a good point. The so, email, yeah. The it, FYI email came out today, right? And it was like, it's like 8 a.m. or something on Wednesday. Yeah. Or 8 p.m. Right. on Wednesday, sorry. Right, yeah. But but the point still stands. I don't want to be, you know, I get in on Tuesday. I don't want to be, like, no, no, testing. I, no, I'm agreeing with you. It's like yeah. there's only one day after we land. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> not really trying to make the decision that day. Right, exactly. So, anyway, is that something that you would look to be testing here in the last week? I, I you know, some, don't want to give up too many of our secrets, but, like, what are you thinking about in this last week in terms of, what you want to test and is Ice Rider on that list? I've dabbled a lot in Ice Rider, but only really kept it to dabbling. So we obviously played it at NAIC and immediately following NAIC, I tried a lot of permutations of trying to get like exactly the right counts of Ice Rider, things like that. And every time I tried Ice Rider, no matter what I was doing with it, I always felt like I was a little short of being like a truly great deck. And what I mean by that is like, I would miss the one piece I needed early game to feel really comfortable with my start. Uh, and sometimes my opponent would be able to, to punish me for that. Other times they wouldn't. But I never felt good to be in that situation in the first place. And that would happen over and over again every time I played Ice Rider, which has ultimately dissuaded me from wanting to play it. It's just a, a very combo-heavy deck. And I don't think that's the strategy I want to lean into heading into Worlds. I would rather play a more consistent strategy that's more straightforward and instead of relying on hitting elaborate combos, just rely on myself being better at executing than my opponent. Well that said. said. I don't think Ice Rider is a bad choice, especially if you're completely unconfident in your in your deck choice. Ice Rider might be a good fallback option, for example, because even though it's like combo heavy, its game plan is relatively simple, and you know you're trying to do the same thing every game, which can be a good benefit in a tournament like Worlds. Yeah, there are very few, you know, interesting plays, I find, that you can make with an Ice Rider deck, right? Like, you're, right. you you really don't have that many supporters. You know, you're playing probably your four Melanie, probably playing a few boss. That's about it, right? Because you want to just be playing Melanie turn after turn, trying to hit those numbers. So, try to pull out the Choice Belt. Try to maybe hit a Leon that one crucial turn. But it's very much a deck that like you said, is trying to hit that one thing game after game. So, JW, I want to flip that script on you. Would you consider Ice Rider, and how would it look for you? How would Ice Rider look for me? Probably a 2-2 Ice Rider, 2-2 Palkia. I think there is benefit in Ice Rider being a counter to Lightning decks. So Palkia generally has struggled and there's debate on this, but uh, generally from my experience has struggled with the Pikachus of the world. Certainly would struggle with something like 
Tapu Koko, VMAX. Um, and Calyrex at least gives you a secondary weakness to Pokemon like that, um, such that you could form a better strategy against those types of decks. Being able to one-shot the Pikachu is huge. Uh, being able to just withstand an attack from a Coco is big, although they have the auto paralysis if you're up on prizes, so you gotta watch that. But just <laughs> having that alternate weakness um, gives the Palkia deck a little bit more depth yeah. and allows you to play around certain counter strategies, right? If we think about Palkia being the deck heading into the World Championships, which there's no reason to think that it won't be the most heavily played, both in day one and in day two. There's really no reason to think that it won't be the most heavily played deck because it's just that good. Um, but if we think that, then we also have to think that, well, there will be lightning counter decks that pop up solely because they beat the Palkia decks. And so maybe Calyrex can give you a little bit of depth in the Palkia deck that you can use to counter the counters. I agree. That was one of my favorite parts of playing Ice Rider as well, as it felt like it had more agency in lightning-type mm -hmm. matchups. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, JW, I think before we wrap up for today, we should go through some of our top choices personally heading into the World Championships. So what are your top three decks as we wind down for pretty much exactly a week away as we record this from worlds yeah what's yeah. on your mind what's on my mind um trying to figure out mill tank is on my mind a lot i think there are a lot of top decks right now that can deal with one mill tank they can maybe deal with two mill tank but they can't deal with three mill tank gosh darn it. <laughs> the three is the threshold for sure <laughs> <laughs> and so trying to find the deck that can best utilize that is on my mind a lot. I think about Dialga as being a possible play, and so that's certainly a deck that would struggle against three mil tank. Arceus Inteleon, as long as you have a way to knock out those couple of Inteleon, even if that is a mil tank, like then you know three mil tank is good against Arceus. Um, pretty decent against Palkia, depending on what their Inteleon line looks like. Um, so trying to figure out how three mil tank works and be it stall, be it the Blissey deck, I don't know. You know, th those are kind of on my mind, though, as yeah. two of the decks that I'm really trying to, like, hone in on here heading into. Because I have my fallback of Palkia, right? That would be kind of my number one choice. I'm going to be just straight out, straight honest with everyone here listening. Palkia is just so so good. I feel like I can do so many things. I feel like it has strong matchups across the board. I do feel like I cannot play my opponents in a mirror, although that skill gap is severely diminished at the world championships. But I do feel like there is that, you know, I can make unique plays and, and cool plays against my opponents. So I would say Palkia is number one for me. And then anything that can utilize mill tank is two through 10. <laughs> that's fair Arceus not even on the radar unless there's Miltech in it I'm not throwing Arceus out I just I haven't been thinking about it too much I've been leaving that to other players in our testing group yeah. to really hone in on Arceus I know Kevin's been working on an Arceus list that he likes a lot and if he shows me the results and you know can can kind of prove it to me then I would consider playing an Arceus deck but for now, that's what's high on my mind. I I feel pretty similarly. I mean, we have fairly similar philosophies when it comes to, to decks, I feel like. Um, I 
I think Palkia is just a really solid fallback. I currently, my current state of mind is I would prefer not to play Palkia, but it is my ultimate fallback choice. I feel comfortable playing it. I feel like I'll make the right choices in the games when I play it, but I would prefer to steer away from it right now, both because it'll be a lot of mirrors, it'll have a target on its back, and it's just a frustrating deck sometimes to play, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, especially yeah. the Arita builds get really, really frustrating if you don't have a good start. You know, Arita does not feel as good of a supporter if you don't already have three Pokemon in play. Right. Um, so Palkia is like my ultimate fallback. I don't know if I would place that as like a one, two, or a three as, you know, if it's my fallback deck, but it's definitely up there. Um, I agree that I want Miltank to work. I kind of waffle between whether I think Blissey or Stall is actually the way to do that, but that would be like my favorite deck right now if I had to pick kind of like my quote-unquote favorite um, and then the only other thing I would really seriously consider would be a very aggressive sort of Arceus deck um, that's trying to like really take its prizes quickly. So something like an Arceus B Barrel deck, you know, a permutation on what Azul played, but more in line with the current format as opposed to the one at NAIC. Doesn't seem like a bad choice to me because it's a very straightforward deck. Um, and you know you'll execute your game plan, maybe yeah. not exactly as planned every single game, but you know exactly what you're trying to do every single game. Right. No thought involved, <laughs> which right. I love that idea. Yeah, I, Dialga is like way down on my radar. I I would love it to be good enough though. Yeah, I've put some time in this week into Dialga, and it just it's it's felt like a decent deck, like an above average deck, but it just hasn't felt like a tournament winning deck. And I'd love to be proven wrong, but I, I just don't see it as being as being tournament winning. I mean, it might get me into the second day of competition, but I just don't see it taking me all the way. I feel that for sure. So we at Tag Team are hyped up for the World Championship. We got more testing to do for sure. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do for next week, so we'll figure that out when we're in Europe. <laughs> but we're so excited for the World Championship. And if you all are going to be there, be sure to say hello. Uh, we're always incredibly grateful and excited to talk to you all who support us through the podcast. Um, you all are an awesome community. I always brag about how great the tag team community is with our friends because you all rock. It's so cool to see you all. Um, and if you're not going to be at Worlds, it's totally fine. We'll give you the full report over on our social medias where you can find us on Twitter primarily. We have a Twitter for the podcast, Tag Team Pokemon. Be sure to follow us there if you want more updates about our merch and the store options for purchasing it. We also have personal accounts, Smiles with Riles for myself and Real John Walter for JW. And of course, as always, be sure to rate and review on your favorite podcasting platforms so we know what to do, what to improve, and we get a little algorithm boost. Absolutely. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We got a week and a half, Riley. I couldn't be more excited. The biggest event of the year. Let's let's kick some butt. Let's so thank you guys all so it. much. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. See ya. <laughs>